the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. wondering what's going on there. Glad to have you with us on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I hope you're connected with me. I am connected with you on this gorgeous, fabulous, uh, vitamin D laden day. Happened to be September 21st, 2020. I'm sorry, just a little bit surprised. Glad to be with you. Hope you're glad to be with me. A lot of stuff to talk about on this Monday edition of Lifeline. The number is one triple eight. Three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine to reach me on this uh, on this Monday edition of Lifeline. Um, uh, first of all, we want to pray for and uh, thank God for Grace Community Church in Van Nuys, California. Uh, John MacArthur. Uh, for their bold stand against the very clear overreach and discrimination of local churches by uh, by keeping them uh, in this indefinite shutdown mode. I'm, I'm talking about here in California. Uh, I don't know how it is everywhere across the nation, but basically what I understand is that almost all of your liberal churches are being uh, shut down. So, um Oh, by the way, if you're hearing anything weird or funny, because I'm still we're still working through some bugs, uh, please let me know at gbchayward at gmail.com, gbchayward at gmail.com. Like I was saying, we, we want to pray for and thank Grace Community Church and Pastor John MacArthur for their bold stance against uh, our governor, uh, Gavin Newsom, and the and the court system that have finally, after about four battles, where John and, and uh, Grace have been winning those battles of recently, he has been uh, uh, forbidden to open up, but he is opposing that, and they are opposing it. Not not just John, but the local church there in Van Nuys uh, have, have opposed it because they see the unconstitutionality of it. They recognize that um, while we are dealing with the real coronavirus uh, Maybe an epidemic, certainly no more a pandemic. Uh, it really does not justify keeping churches shut down when all sorts of other institutions are opened up. And, and for that, John is taking a stand. He's taking a stand. And he's taking a stand with many of us um, who are clear on the fact that the mode of intrusion presently employed by the Democratic officials and judges are simply designed to condition the U.S. citizen, the uh, citizens of America, at least the states that are suffering leftist policies, for even more unreasonable and irrational control 
Uh, and, and to say the least, taxpayer burden. I was watching a documentary online the other day, and I, I, I see why so many people are inclined to want to leave California and how bad the mission, uh, the mismanagement of its spending has been. A lot of the homelessness in California, um, given the kind of taxes that we pay, should not exist. Uh, the lack of sufficient water, seemingly every year our water bills are going out of the roof and our electricity going on and off as if we are legitimately a third world country is unacceptable. Uh, and many of these things were warned about decades ago. I mean, when I was not at all even remotely interested in politics, I was hearing all of the pundits, hearing all of the economists talking about how bad policies are here in California. And, and and how that some of our most serious problems would actually be front and center and show themselves as to be extremely important. Uh, and they're showing up today. They're showing up today with the mismanagement of uh, our, our forest policies, clearing out the trees, making sure the land is not just kind of powder keg or kindle for major conflagrations, which you and I have been experiencing. We've just come out of a period where the where the heat of the fires have left us with horrible, horrible air pollution conditions. And uh, just glad to be able to see the sky, the, the mountain ranges around me. And, uh, and I hope you are as well. But these are just a few of the ton of problems that we are having here in California. And, and, they, and they won't be gone. They won't, they won't end there. Uh, all of the liberal policies of which you heard me berate for years now on this program, the, the empty, vacuous, godless leftist policies that we all know now have been rooted in a very clear Marxist critical theory uh, framework of, uh, of, well, as we have been stating it for years as well, ideological subversion. We recognize that our country has been assaulted on an intellectual level, assaulted on a policy level, educational level, and uh, it has permeated and transformed a, a segment of our society along with our, our politicians as well. And we are in a very centralized battle right now over ideology, over reality, over what constitutes truth. Two major narratives are dominating our landscape today. Two major narratives. One true, one false. Uh, and uh, the prevailing narrative that has been around for now several years, emerging, becoming front and center, but has been in the works for several decades. We talked about this when we unpacked the postmodern critical race theory framework by which history has been interpreted, relationships between men and women, uh, the uh, policies that have produced socialist and communist uh, retaliation and, and revolutions, the very revolution that we are experiencing right now in its, in its birth and conception uh, through Black Lives Matter, social justice movement, etc., this very revolutionary uh, period that we're going through is a consequence of the constant, constant argument and false allegation of, um, of uh, pervasive, uh, relentless systemic racism and, and, and male patriarchy and, and uh, oppression and uh, uh, the, the, you know, the, the almost... Uh, 
totality of, of corrupt uh, government in terms of its discrimination and uh, and disrespect for all of the different communities that are presently part of your uh, identity politics. And, and they, they have emerged, have they not become militant, vocal, uh, and, are, and are waging war. But what you guys have recently heard is that there is a policy coming from Washington now to undo a lot of the very bad ideology that has resulted in the kind of chaotic destruction that Marx said would occur when people begin to buy into his Marxist agenda. I've told you this many, many times now over the last several months. Marx will settle for nothing but revolution. Anything short of revolution for Marx is a failure. He did not accept the revolution of France. He did not accept uh, uh, moving to a, a more social democratic uh, structure for France uh, for, out of a, a, a feudal feudalist system. And that has been his argument. That has been what uh, Marxists have tried to do around the world, basically topple governments and impose in its own uh, e-theory um, irrational utopian agenda and that that is basically what our our country is facing as well but as i stated uh president trump has moved in to uh remove all of the policies in government uh even in the government schools which is the right thing to do uh that would continue to promote this kind of one-sided debate one-sided argument one-sided narrative that doesn't have an opportunity be fleshed out, flushed out, exposed, deconstructed, and challenged as to its authenticity and its veracity. And so when you only have one side of the argument going forth, you are now exercising a kind of uh, propaganda piece, a kind of, again, ideological subversion. In our great country, goal is to have an open public debate about policies or ideas that you think are valid. They must be challenged by an opposition narrative. Uh, at least they must be investigated by an alternative view. The, even our politicians do that. You've got uh, Donald Trump and you've got Joe Biden. And what do they do? They do opposition research. And they also have people in their administration that check to see whether or not uh, the facts each of the politicians are substantial facts or, you know, to what degree are they lying about the things that they are saying? They do fact checks to see how consistent their arguments are, how consistent their promises are, how consistent their um, their, their uh, remarks about history and, and events and things that have gone on in the past are. That's what you do when you're actually seeking the truth. You don't hold to a one-sided argument and forbid others to challenge you or question you or to examine you, cross-examine whether or not your premise is, is right, whether or not your premise is just, or whether or not your argument is consistent, or whether or not your argument is flawed, whether or not your conclusions are valid, realistic, and whether or not your ideas are good for the community. That was all invested in our Constitution, the freedom of speech, the freedom to gather, the freedom to assemble. All of that was necessary to make sure that we did not come into, again, another totalitarian type of fascist control by people who dictate how we should think, how we should act, what we should do, where we should go. And certainly, if you are honest about what's been going on over the last uh, couple of years, particularly over the last few uh, years relative to what's going on in the media, left-right argumentation, 
the dominant narrative on the ground among most uh, citizens who are uh, unwoke. Uh, they are trapped by the left's narrative and don't have uh, don't have a willingness to have that narrative uh, examined as to whether or not it's a valid narrative, uh, just, fair, and good for the whole of America. So, you know, we've been shooting holes in it for a while now. Um, uh, here we go. Our time is up. i got to take a break. one 367 one To say the least, the lines are open for us to talk about whatever you think is well and good and helpful for dialogue and for right to talk about it all the way up to the president, all the way down to our personal needs and our personal struggles. You're listening to the Monday edition of Life One with your host, Jesse Gistin. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. James, are we there? All right, we got something going on here. Um, can we get James from the Bay out? Hello? Hey, James. Hello, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Sir, gotcha. Uh, I can't hear you well. Okay, so we got something going on, Nate, Nate in there that's not working good. I'm getting feedback. I can barely hear James. I can't hear you see your feedback now? Can you hear me? No, I'm talking to my guy. Okay. So I can hear you, but he has to work on my feedback. Okay, you want me to hold or? No, I want you to start talking, man. What's going on? Okay, okay. Okay, I just wanted your thoughts on this uh, recent development with the passing away of uh, uh, Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg and, you know, the position of a president. You know, the president nominates the new Supreme, you know, uh, the new nominee, if you will. And Kamala Harris's position as being on the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, what do, how do you see all that, uh, you know, playing out? Because uh, you know, well, I, 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 I'm taking a limit. Go ahead. No, no. Did you have something else to say? No, I was going to also add. I mean, did you read where Trump was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize award? That was kind of like an afterthought. You know, after the fact, it was something I found that I didn't, I didn't see publicized very much. Oh yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna hear it at all in the uh, in the uh, left media. The left media is never gonna give Trump any kind of uh, respect or props or affirmation of anything done done well, right or good, average or poor. Uh, for the left, Trump is um, he is totally the demon, you know, and the grounding cause of all evil in the universe. And and that's sad because basically that's a kind of patronizing position that we have to uh, ignore. Well, you can't have a conversation with a person that that takes that kind of position against the president. I mean, I, I remember when people on the right were doing that with with uh, with Obama, President Obama. Uh, as bad as Obama was on so many different policies, he wasn't the sole cause of all of the evil going on in America. 
Uh, he was just a point man for some of it, just as is with Trump. And so when you hear people, you know, basically blame everything, even global warming on Trump, particularly the politicians, they're basically saying to the American people, you are stupid, you are ignorant, you are a sucker born every day. And, uh, and we can hoodwink you with propaganda, don't even have to be intellectual, uh, intellectually sound. But to get to your point before um, before I take a break, because I'm getting major feedback that's kind of killing me. I hate hearing myself. Um, a couple, two or three things. Uh, one is, there we go. Well, however we saw that, that's good. Uh, the first thing is, is that I think that Donald Trump should receive the Nobel Peace Prize uh, because he has done at least that which uh, for which President uh, Barack Obama received the Nobel Peace Prize. And if we were to examine what Obama did in terms of him being a warmonger and, and, and drone strikes uh, to the tunes of uh, hundreds, killing up lots of people in small villages uh, across, um, across the Middle East, we might question how does one qualify for a uh, Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, secondly, uh, that Ruth Bader Ginsburg has died on Friday opens up the uh, Supreme Court to uh, an definite need for someone who might be much more traditional in the interpretation of the Constitution and the uh, the uh, ability to interpret it in a just fashion consistent with the uh, aims and objectives of the founding fathers would be you know critical to our nation because we already see James what's going on relative to uh, relative to the, uh, the the lopsided policies that are growing ever more grotesquely against a biblical worldview, against a society that uh, that that is already suffering from so many different distorted human quality. Uh, ravages and and if we don't get a Supreme Court uh, a judge in there who can leverage out the uh, the the uh, assessments uh, so as, so we can kind of turn back things get things going back in the direction where our society can operate out of freedoms that are uh, right and proper freedoms that uh, lead to virtue not vice freedom that leads to nobility and integrity not hypocrisy and self-destruction. This is what I would be debating anywhere at any time with anyone about where we are as a nation and the distinct difference between the left and the right uh, in the ideological sense. The left is just ravaged with an absolutely deplorably um, wicked uh, uh, platform of ungodliness and evil. Just it's unacceptable. It's utterly unacceptable. And while the right has a number of historic uh, travesties and uh, and uh, uh, unjust uh, uh, policies relative to saying one thing and doing another, we need to hold them accountable as well. Uh, the you had a third point uh, with regards to oh, Kamala Harris. Well, Kamala Harris is the the monkey wrench in this whole thing too, James. She's the one that's going to play either a greater polarization of the people on the ground relative to, let's say, the African-American community, because we know that on the ground, the African-American community doesn't have much love for her, particularly the African-Americans who are middle class, upper middle class, or I might say well-informed politically. 
the African-Americans that are just going about their day, uh, that don't pay much attention to anything, they, they're just wide open to be hoodwinked because that's how politics works. Uh, the best voters are ignorant voters who whom you can bribe by telling them you will give them everything in the world and they don't have to pay for it and they don't have to worry about who else has to pay for it. That's the way the left has worked and is yet working today. So the questions that you're raising, James, are your observation, brother, are absolutely germane uh, and important uh, from the least to the greatest. Kamala Harris is going to either uh, find a way in her, uh, her her presentation over the next several weeks to to draw in more radical leftist black folks, although I don't believe that's going to work, uh, to, to kind of tip the scales for a victory for Joe Biden. And they've already been uh, using the Freudian slip. I think we talked about it last week. This is a Harris-Biden uh, uh, team. Not Biden-Harris. This is a Harris-Biden team, which means behind closed doors, they are very clearly committed to making sure that a transfer transfer of authority to Harris takes place seamlessly when Joe Biden's dementia, his uh, Alzheimer's, uh, or whatever is the present obvious and sad medical condition will will make him um, explicitly... Uh, unable to occupy the role of presidency uh, if they should win. And so, yeah, give give Trump his Nobel Peace Prize. It doesn't mean a whole lot these days. Let's get in a judge now. Let's not wait until after the election. Let's do it now. Judges are important. And then uh, we'll we'll put up with, with uh, Kamala Harris's presence and her influence and her her hypocrisy and her chameleon ways, too, as we see how uh, the election works out. If they get in, we'll pray for both of them, as God tells us to do. And we will continue to work on freedom and virtue as true believers, um, challenging everyone to uh, take a good look at themselves and ask themselves whether they are really being who they say they are. Listen, I got to take a break. Thanks for the call. James Leslie will pick you up after the break. Mark, you as well. We've got two lines open, one 367 one I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. The time on the Monday edition of Lifeline 535. I'd love to hear from some of you new callers or you new listeners who have never called before. one 367 5329 New callers, new listeners, if you will. Um, we are living in some excited times, uh, very difficult times, very challenging times, and I'd love to hear your observations or hear your questions. I'd love to field some of your thoughts. Um, want to create a growing audience, I am really committed to uh, a much deeper dialogue, a much more radically invasive and critically uh, uh, analyzing uh, dialogue and format of dialogue for the year 2021, if I can. I, I see the importance of being able to talk, you know, at length with people across the nation and around the world about these matters, particularly with regards to a lack of uh critically sound and intelligently informed voices within the Christian community. The Christian community is not participating in a lot of these 
matters that are social and public as they ought. And I know that we've got bright men and women in the Christian community, but it does not sound like when I look at the spectrum across the nation and around the world, uh, any real visibility on the part of the uh, church. Now, I'm not talking about Christians individually. I'm talking about church leaders, pastors, um, uh, elders, uh, qualified spokesmen who can bring a, a, a robust biblical worldview into the dialogue around these very issues that we're dealing with. And as a consequence, um, the church is being put on the sideline and has no real contribution to the discourse that is extremely dangerous, extremely toxic, extremely paralyzing. Uh, given what you and I have faced as an exercise of our rights and exercise of our our identity and exercise of our calling over the last seven or eight months between COVID, uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, the social justice movement, and the overall uh, lie of systemic racism being the prominent problem of American culture. Uh, and, and all of these are rooted in critical race theory that goes back 40, 50, 60 years and has been spoon fed to our society for decades uncritically, if you will. And this is why you have more Americans that are operating out of a socialist mindset than they would be either a uh, democratic, uh, classically liberal, uh, conservative or biblical worldview. Real challenge I'm having with a lot of Christians is that they profess to be Christians, but they think secularly. And we got to have that discussion as well, because the Christian church cannot help help the world if they are both in the world and are of the world. And unless our minds are renewed, unless we are really grounded in the word of God, unless our thinking is consistent with a biblical worldview, uh, we may look like a lamb and speak like a dragon. Let's go to line number two and talk with Leslie from Oakland. Leslie, are you there? Yes. Hi, Pastor Gaston. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Good. I'm doing fine. Um, you've been generous in allowing the callers to share, and I thank you for that. Um, I just wanted to share right along the lines of what you just said, and that's um, the salvation message that um, through, G- through faith in Jesus Christ, we can be saved. And um, I'm going to tie this in just at the, in a minute. Um, we must um, repent toward God with remorse and regret for sinning against him, which is extremely important, and that the repentance is a surrender of our heart, which shows our faith. God mm-hmm. grants our repentance unto salvation, unto eternal life, and that's in Acts eleven eighteen. And it's important yep. to note that it's faith and yep. repentance that our lives are changed. And then I also this point, this couple points here. And then the second point is that it's un- unfortunately many have been told that they can accept Jesus Christ into their hearts either by repeating a prayer or welcoming him in, primarily based on Revelation 3.19.20 and Romans 10.9. They believe Jesus enters in based on what they say, and this is man's design method of salvation, and many have fallen prey to it. Um, I want to um, also, and, and just to, to note that it is God and God alone who grants his grace. And God mm-hmm. uh, requires each person to turn from sin to him through sincere and genuine repentance. And those who want to be saved will do so. Yep. Um, 
And with the last point, and then I'm going to tie this in just real quickly, with all that is going on, now is the time for all to examine themselves and to, and to and this is along the lines of what you said, now is the time to examine ourselves and to assure that we are in the faith. Without God's grace, we have no power, we have no love, and we have no sound mind. And that's in Second uh, Timothy 1, 7. Um, yeah. The churches, I want to say that, that what you, when you were saying, what you were saying, and that's, I hope that point is well taken, but the churches have, ter- have kind of dropped the ball, so to speak, like you were saying. And these, this message is important because if people are not saved or if people are taking the wrong method to be saved or believe in they're saved, it's hard to teach the, words, the scriptures, the Bible, and teach people the things they need to know without them being saved. I mean, people need to be saved. It's hard. You can't. You can't convert yourself. <laughs> you got to be converted. Um, yep. And so it's disappointing um, that the church, uh, the shutting down of the churches. And but we do know that God does save us outside of the church. And so we don't, have, we don't have to be in the building, right, to be saved. The church is the building is just a building. The church is us, the individual. Yep. And even in the early church, there were nothing but small little homes of churches, pockets of churches, not some big buildings like we have now with thousands of people or whatever. And so, however, yeah, however, mm-hmm. however, okay. Leslie, yeah, no, you, cause you actually laid out a lot, a lot. I'm going to affirm you in everything and I'm going to, I'm going to actually augment the last couple of points because they are good, but they need to be augmented. Um, okay. It's certainly true that you have given a, a very accurate description of what conversion truly is versus what is called classically synergism. When people use uh, Revelation 3.19 as a text to call to open their heart to Jesus, that, that portion of scripture is not about the conversion of the lost sinner. That's a call for the, uh, the, the apostate church or for the uh, worldly believer to come up out of self-righteousness, which Jesus said was the case for the Laodicean church, that you have said that um, I am filled with riches, I am filled with goods, and I have need of nothing. That kind of mentality betrays the fact that we're not poor in spirit and that we're not dependent upon God and that um, we don't really need Jesus to bless us because we've got good jobs and we've got PhDs and we've got doctorates and we are uh, well endowed and we are able to take care of ourselves. That witness that the church at Laodicea was given to the world was obnoxious to Christ. It's the reason for which he wrote that letter. And he told them that your self-assessment, the way you have assessed yourself is a false narrative. And there is no way that the church can help lost people when it can't even properly diagnose its own self. And that was the problem with the church at Laodicea. It had given a false analysis, a false diagnosis, a false narrative of itself. Jesus plainly told them, you are not rich, you're poor. You are are not wise. You are fools. You are blind. You are sick. You need to buy from me gold tried in the fire. You need to buy from me oil that will open your eyes. You need to buy from me wool that will cover your nakedness and so forth. It was the greatest overture of the great shepherd to his church you could ever hear. 
and and it's and its application to where we are today the Laodicean church in America will come off to the world as if it doesn't need Jesus and that is probably uh, the second worst crime that the church can commit beyond blasphemy of the Holy Spirit so when we talk about salvation you got it right is by grace through faith in Christ alone apart from works and that not of yourselves is a gift of God great conversation here is the salient element for which your comments are important, Leslie, and they really should be expanded upon because there are multiple uh, categories and levels of, of, of analysis that needs to be brought to the table here. And that's this. Mm-hmm. When, when the Christian church is not rooted and grounded in the word of God, as they ought to be, 2 Timothy 1.9, that's what you meant when God gives us his spirit. He gives us his spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. When we're not yeah. really rooted in a sound mind, we don't know how to detect the political and social and um, intellectual and ideological eras of the world to help our poor brothers and sisters understand error. Because there's only two spirits in the world, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. That's First John chapter 4, verse 4 through 6. And in order to have a conversation with somebody that's walking in error, you got to know their era. You got to know the errors in terms mm-hmm. of their principles. You got to know their error in terms of their practices. You got to know their error in terms of how they are procured and promoted and, co- and communicated. And so it requires the Christian to be circumspect and able to discern what's going on in the world. Secondly, if the Christian is not sound in understanding his environment, his community, where he lives, He will not be a good advocate for Christ because he won't be able to establish common ground with the lost sinner where they are. Evangelism requires us going where they are, meeting them on the grounds of where they are, helping them identify their problem and telling them in the most gracious and wise way that the solution to your problem is Jesus. We help them recognize that what they are calling low self-esteem or psychological problems or uh, social injustices or discrimination, all of that is rooted in sin. Sin is the ultimate problem of it all, but it has to be communicated in the context of that person's struggle. This is where we have to be wise winners of souls. As Proverbs said, he that winneth souls must be wise. So we have our work to do about caring for our community and then bringing the message of the gospel to bear on it without doing what's going on in my present generation, Leslie, and that is in Mm -hmm. most of our churches that are getting involved in this whole social justice movement, they are denying the gospel. They are abandoning the message of redemption. They are not utilizing the word of God to deal with the problems. As I was listening to you, I'm going, she's actually hitting all of the fundamental points that the Christian needs to be engaging the world with, but when people have been told that the problem is not sin, the problem is racism. The problem is not me. The problem is him. The problem is not personal. The problem is corporate. The problem is national. The problem is is other. Once people start buying into the lie that the problem doesn't start in their own heart, then um, at that point, we're not going to have a healthy, cogent way to communicate to people that their problem is sin, 
The solution is Jesus, and the benefit is a transformation of society that leads to men and women operating out of the highest levels of the Imago Day, where we can love God, and we can love one another, and we can begin the process of solving the problems in our world from a biblical standpoint. Until Christians understand how to get the gospel right first in themselves, and then to communicate it properly as a remedy to the problems of our country. We're going to be sidelined. Listen, thank you for your call. Yes, hello. Yes? Yes, Yes. could I just say this, that the gospel, knowing the gospel, that people know that Jesus Christ died on the cross, of course, and resurrected on the third day, and the resurrection is what's the important part of this whole, of everything. I mean, the gospel is all important, but we know that the resurrection is what gives us life. That's right. Well, they're, they're, the resurrection faith. and the gospel are not separated. Leslie, you don't they're separate not, the resurrection right, from the gospel. They're all one. That, yeah, the that's right. They're on resurrection. Exactly. Right. right. The, but what, what I also want to emphasize again is that faith in Jesus Christ is, is what saves us, and that repentance, and that's a surrender of the heart. Many people believe that just repenting and saying, you know, I sinned last night, or I have that's to sleep. I got to take a hard break. We can pick this up later. Great comment. I got to take a break. Way overdue. I'll catch the rest of you on the other side of the break. Two lines open. one 367 5329 I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We are back. The time is 553 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. All the lines are open. Uh, you can give me a call. Like I said, I'd love to hear from those of you who are new listeners. Uh, I know you have a lot to say. I know you have a lot to share. I know you have a lot of questions. Let's uh, let's take advantage of the second hour and really uh, delve into some of your concerns, some of your observations, and let's make this uh, – Let's make the second hour powerful. The number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. As you know, I also enjoy all of uh, opposing views, all uh, uh, oppositional uh, positions, because this is a free market. We can talk about it. As long as you're civil with your response, we can uh, we can discuss it. This is what we need to be doing, ladies and gentlemen. We need to be airing the issues and the arguments in a way that demonstrates that we are adults and that we are brave enough to have our positions challenged so that we can know whether or not what we know is right. The number is one 367 Let's go to line number three and talk with Mark from San Jose. Mark, what's going on, man? Well, I agree with you, Jesse. We need to move quickly. We need to move very quickly. You know, the Constitution says the president nominates someone. The Senate takes a vote, up or down. If she's no, the Cuban gal, then you put in Newt Gingrich or whoever else up there. You take a vote. There's no need for debate. You know the Democrats are going to stretch it out. So I say you put her in, you take a vote. We've got the votes. That's all we need. We don't need to debate. We don't want to debate. We want to vote. And uh, that's the way it is. Well, I, I, I understand your sentiment. I actually agree with the sentiment, Mark, but I'm looking at a bigger picture here personally. I know that the Democrats, I know that the left, will gonna, they're going to want to draw this thing out, drag it out as long as they possibly can, because they don't even want to concede that the president uh, will be winning a second term. That is part of the liability of freedom. But going back to your basic argument, yeah, get, get the, uh, get, you know, may the president. Uh, select 
uh, a nominee and have two, have two ready. I know he's got five, but have two ready to go right right away. If one gets vetted, you know, in a short period of time and doesn't prove to to pan out because of some skeletons in the closet, that's always possible. We're sinners. <laughs> Pull up the next one so we can get at this business. However, if you just go in and and, and, and nominate her because we have the majority. Um, uh, we, we may have some backlash in years to come. However, what is not a legitimate argument on the part of the left is that in an election year for the president, he should not uh, elect a Supreme Court uh, justice simply because he may lose out uh, on that particular election. We already know the numbers uh, defy that logic. And so I agree with you totally. We need to I, you know, get somebody in yesterday, quite frankly, uh, get somebody in yesterday because we need to have that, that, that seat filled with someone who is actually constitutionally sound and capable of uh, not being manipulated by opinions of men or by the sentience of, of a nation as a whole, particularly when the nation is drifting left. The fundamental purpose of the justice, uh, the Supreme Court, is to interpret the Constitution accurately and make application relative to where we live in light of our constitutional freedoms and rights and things of that nature. And when we get away from uh, that uh, that essential ex exercise of that specific branch of government, then uh, basically what we are doing is having judges whitewash totalitarian and fascist agendas on the part of our uh, uh, legislative, uh, uh, yeah, legislative branch, and that's that's just not going to work. So I agree with you on that part for sure. Let's get somebody in. It was uh, you know, Miss Ginsburg is gone now, and. Uh, <laughs> We got to get somebody in there. So, well, appreciate you know, that. Also, another thing, real quick, is uh, before I begin my introduction, get the podcast for Michael Savage today. He did an excellent job of laying out what a radical leftist this woman was. Okay, it was very, oh, yeah. very oh, yeah. good. And uh, oh, yeah. when we read oh, yeah. uh, in the Holy Scripture of Proverbs eleven ten Part B, when the wicked perish, there is shouting, and then in David's Psalm there in thirty seven twenty. Uh, it says, uh, but the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lamps. They shall consume into smoke, shall they consume away. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I get happy, I tend to make noise. And we remember the uh, triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem, you know. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, right? O daughter of yeah, Jerusalem. Yeah, cometh unto yeah. Me. And, uh, yeah, but the, but the other, but Mark. But the other Bible verse, uh, the other Bible verse, the Lord takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. The other Bible verse is Jesus wept over Jerusalem because of their Jerusalem because of their obstinacy, rebellion, disobedience, spiritual blindedness, and rejection of Jesus Christ. And for me, for me, as much as I uh, recognize the sovereignty of God in taking Miss Ginsburg out of here, my heart breaks over a, a, a very shallow evangelical church that doesn't have the depth of spiritual connection to actually engage these political and social issues in the kind of robust, vigorous, 
Christ-like way uh, that the Apostle Paul would have done as he traversed the world and dealt with all of the pagan idolatrous uh, systems of his day. That's what our churches need to be doing. So while uh, the scriptures are clear that when the wicked perish, the righteous rejoice, and when the wicked are in rule, the righteous mourn. And uh, we, 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 you know, we, we have that to deal with as well. Uh, we will not celebrate right now. We just won't celebrate. We're still two witnesses walking around in sackcloth until men and women bow the knee to Jesus Christ. Uh, we will temper that. That is not the way, Mark. That is not the way right now. Remember Dory in uh, The Wizard of Oz? I always used to have a crush on Dorothy. And, uh, but she, uh, you know, her house got caught up in the tornado. And then later on in the movie, it uh, smashed the Wicked Witch of the West. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Good witch, you know, she had the wand and she said, let the joyful news be spread. The wicked witch at last is dead. Uh, that's bad. That's bad. Y'all yeah, pray for Mark. That's bad. Uh, so, yeah, see, that doesn't do anything for making people want to have a conversation with you about truth. Uh Pray for Mark. Uh, this is a Monday edition of Lifeline. All the lines are open. All four lines are open. one 367 5329 I'd love to hear from any of you new uh, listeners. Definitely. And let's just keep the conversation going, okay? I, I'm going to take a break, pay some bills. We'll be right back.